Welcome, everybody. Thanks for joining us once again on the Deer Talk Now podcast. I am Dan Schmidt. We have had such a great start to the new podcast format for this year, and we've had so many good guests. I'm really happy um, to not only be bringing on true outdoors people, but a good cross-section of the outdoors community. Today, we have a special guest. Her name is Sky Good. I don't know if you're on social media, but if you are, you've probably seen her on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Her YouTube page is fascinating. Sky, welcome to the program. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. Sky, I know you're super busy, and uh, I really want to thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. Could you give the listeners just a, a short snapshot of where you come from? I know that you have a real job that you work during the days, and you do a lot of this outdoor stuff on the side. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I um, work for my county mental health clinic during the day. I'm a case manager, so I help people with their um, addictions and mental health stuff in my real job. Wow. <laughs> um, but then I'm a mom of two boys, and um, I run the social media for the Wisconsin Trappers Association, and then I sew for hats um, in all my downtime. So those are kind of my my little things that I do. And we do see that. I see it all the time. You're posting some pretty cool photos of you know, all the different critters that you're catching, like the, I don't know if it's bobcat or beaver or whatever you happen to ha- have. Uh, is that, is that very time intensive on, on those projects that you're doing? Um, yeah, it does. It takes me a few weeks to sew one hat. I, I'm not the type of person to sit still. Like even now I, I wish I was like out <laughs> walking. Um, so at night, you know, like when, when you would sit on the couch watching TV, that's when I sew. Cause I can't just sit there and watch TV. So it's like a couple hours every night that I would normally be just watching TV. I saw. That's pretty cool. You know, and I want to reiterate to people who might not be familiar with you. She is not only, she's not a pretend outdoors person. If you see some of these photos, some of the things that she's doing, she's putting up loads of fox, beavers, coyotes, bobcats, all this stuff that you're catching. How did you get into uh, trapping? I would say is probably your forte or that's what we see. How did you get into trapping specifically? Yeah. So, I mean, I come from a outdoorsy family. My grandpa, um, he was a vegetable farmer and on the, the winter he would trap muskrat coon and it was a good part of his income back then, you know, in the seventies. So it good wasn't a foreign days. thing. Um, but I got into trapping actually because of bull hunting. So uh, years ago when I was going to scout in Menominee, I, uh, I bull hunted a little area down in that Downsville area. Um, and I shot a buck at night and I went, it was like a liver shot. And I went back in the morning to retrieve them. And it was only like 60 yards away, but I, I kicked some coyotes off. And when I recovered them, all the back hams were gone. Um, and so I always give my little spiel when I met trapping classes that I wanted revenge on these coyotes like that's what got me into trapping so most people start out on muskrats or something easy but I started off on coyotes purely out of revenge because I was a deer hunter um and it just it was such an addiction to have the thrill of of the harvest nearly every morning when you catch something that over the years I just started to choose trapping over every other outdoor sport in the fall so that's awesome. You know, and I have to give you credit, and you don't know this, but you taught me how to catch weasels because, oh, <laughs> yes. Uh, so I just bought an old farm uh, house here last year, and I'm uh, getting all started. Farmer Dan, they call me. I've got some rabbits and some chickens, and 
in my past life, I had raised laying hens, and I know that weasels can be pretty bad on them. I've never dealt with weasels, so I had my trail cameras out there. Lo and behold, I get a you know ermine uh, weasel uh, right in the middle of December, and I'm like, oh man, how I can't have to, I, I know they will kill all the chickens. So then I'm looking around, looking around. Here I find one of your posts where you took an old, uh, actually not an old, you took an ammo box, drilled, yeah. a ho- drilled a hole into it. So then here I was going to Fleet Farm in Stevens Point. I'm looking for ammo boxes. I'm looking for rat traps or, yeah, rat traps with the big paddles. I couldn't find any of those. Anyways, long story short, I caught three weasels in a month. Wow. Um, <laughs> yep. I just caught a raccoon this morning. So I'm up to, I think, 11 predators I've taken out. So I'm saving the... Uh, turkey population one predator at a time but um i so i understand what you're saying it becomes an addiction but you started from what i understand weasels are not the hardest thing to trap um i found coyotes i can't even come i know there's coyotes i hear them every night how how on earth did you start that's basically putting a kid in yankee stadium and saying here kid hit one out i mean catching a coyote right out of the box well, my first year, that year of revenge, you know, I shot that deer a week before gun season. So like mid-November. So by the time I got my trapper certification, we're, we're in like January. So it, it's like the toughest time to just start trapping. So I didn't catch anything that first that first month of January. But then um, I got into the Wisconsin Trappers Association that summer and I went to the convention in Marsh Shield in September. So that next fall, um, I caught like 16 but I was oh. up in Barron County. Um, I had moved to Barron County by then, which is like all dairy farms and egg fields. So all the coyote, uh, the turkey farms up there too. So like the coyotes were prolific all over. It was really easy. So I kind of got a, a good confidence boost by trapping up there. Um, and so when I, when I moved back to Nielsville, I already had a lot of coyotes under my belt. You know, I had, I started in my uh, public public land, Clark County Forest Zone, I probably would have been discouraged. So I did have that advantage to, you know, start trapping in a pretty easy area. So, you know, okay, you were a deer hunter first, you're a trapper second. How, what, and I know this is a question you probably get a lot. What is the reaction that you get, especially if you're a, a caseworker and you're dealing with the public and somebody finds out, oh, she's a trapper. I mean, what are, what are some of the uh, comments that you get from maybe non-hunters or everyday people? Well, so on the internet is where all the negative comments come from. In real life though, um, usually when it's adults, it's either, that's so cool, I always wanna try that. My dad was a trapper, my grandpa was a trapper, um, you know, like all those comments. And then I work a lot with kids and during the fall, winter months, there's always, um, cause I run my line before work. And so whatever I catch during the day is in the back of my truck still, you know, I never have time to like, so, I mean, you know, I've, I've picked up kids for um, different things that I do for work. And, you know, they say, what'd you catch today? And I show them and they get to see it. And it's always really cool. Um, so in real life, I, it's like I could probably count on one hand in my entire lifetime, the negative feedback I've gotten. It's always just online. In person. So you're not yeah. you're not driving into the grocery store and somebody freaking out because you got a bunch of dead coyotes in the back of pickup. Truck. No, you know, and maybe I'm in, um, you know, the boonies here, but everybody is so pro hound hunting, pro hunting, pro trapping in my area. Um, I mean, I don't really go to Milwaukee or Chicago or anywhere or Madison, so I mean, maybe it'd be different. But 
in central Wisconsin, you're a hero for trapping coyotes, you know, Which so it's you, always received. Absolutely. And that's, I would say that would extend to just about anything, um, you know, raccoons and fox and everything else, because uh, as the homesteading boom continues, people are going to have to understand that trapping is ne- necessary. Which brings me to my next question. Is trapping necessary? I know your answer, but is trapping necessary and why would you be a trapper right now in 2022? Yeah, um, you know, I think people forget that we're part of the ecosystem. So one of the, you know, the, the feedback you hear from antis is that, you know, let nature take its course or these predators have a role or all these things, but they forget that humans are part of that balance. So, I mean, we can't just pretend like we're living in a different bubble and the wildlife is somewhere else. We're in there too. So you talk about raising chickens, raising livestock. We're deer hunters. We're, we're part of the predator chain, you know? So um, I, I think if people kind of forget that we're not um, different than any other predator, we want to eat too and protect ours. And um, so that's really important. But I know people always go after coyotes for deer, but like you said, in one night, a possum, a skunk, a fox, a coon, they can raid one or two turkey nests in one night. You know, they can make a meal of that. Um, and then you forget about things like turtles, turtle eggs. I mean, I don't know how any turtles survive in our state because I swear every turtle nest gets dug up, you wow. know, and it's little things like that that you don't think of like, oh yeah, like that's fur bears are doing that, you know? So it, it kind of all um, correlates, but remembering that we're part of that chain is important. What would you say, um, in your opinion, in your experience, which predator or predators are the worst on other game populations? Well, in my area, you know, I have a lot of wolves, but I, I don't, I maybe I shouldn't even say the W word. It's too controversial. Right oh, now. we're going to talk about that. So you can bring that up. Well, you know, in my opinion, I, I don't see the depredation of wolves. The deer here are so smart at evading. That's why they're so hard to hunt because we're in wolf country. So I don't often see wolf kills. I see a lot of wolf scavenging and wolves do a lot on beaver. Um, but as far as wolf kills, I don't think it's as high as people think, at least in my area, mm-hmm. just because the deer are, you know, you, the deer are in town now and the deer are in your yard now because of the wolves. Um, the bobcats i think are really underrated you know big a 40 pound bobcat will wait in a cornfield and ambush fawns easily you know uh but of course the the fawns and all that but honestly if you start from the beginning uh like eggs and, and nesting and um that kind of stuff i think coon do a lot more damage to our grouse duck uh turkey populations than people even think of you know they think of the the african-like animals like pouncing like coyotes and bobcat but you forget that a nest of turkeys can be decimated in one night so i think that's really underrated yeah that's that's a, a great point because you know coons too they'll have what i don't know six eight of them i mean they'll in there it's basically like taking a bucket of sand out of the beach because you i i know that from in the past years i've just always had to have traps out on my mm-hmm. property um always constantly I know you do a lot of work with um, the state, especially the trapping education programs. Tell us a little bit about what you're doing there, Sky. Sure. Um, well, I started out just doing regular trapper ed classes and helping out. Um, most recently, we put together like a women's trapping camp, 
um, because of the R3, we wanted to get uh, minorities into the outdoors. So the women, the women's group was kind of important. So we started that. We're going this to be our second year doing it. Um, and so we just try to put out as many classes as possible. Uh, it's really hard. There's, you know, a lot, a, a high need for trapper education, but all the instructors are volunteer and most of them are in retirement age and we're not filling their shoes. So it's, it's really getting hard to find people that want to volunteer their time. Um, but it's so important or we just won't have people enjoying trapping. You know, imagine if there were no hunter safety classes and we couldn't recruit any hunters it kind of all falls in. So, um, yeah, just constantly trying to find new instructors for that. How's, how's the reception been on that, that women's camp? Oh, it's probably like, you know, if I was writing a resume of my proudest moments, that's the women's trap camp is really up there. Um, last year, you know, it filled in like 48 hours. Once we posted it, we had 30 people sign up. Um, and this year we just put it out and I think it's going to be the same. We just did a presentation at the Wisconsin Trappers Association Spring Banquet was in Wausau last weekend, and we were the keynote speakers. Uh, me, Jody, Bridget, and Jenna, just the girls that have planned it. And um, it was really, really received because it wasn't, um, how do I say the PC phrase? Like it, uh, it wasn't like a prissy type of, like it, we were down in the mud, they were setting traps. It was like dirty, uh, environment and they all learn like they left the camp knowing everything you should need to know about trapping and nearly all the women ran their own solo lines this winter like without boyfriends without husbands without dads you know like they did it themselves and that's kind of the biggest success from you know showing what they learned so it was pretty cool i think we're going to keep doing it every year so on that point that you make right there making the sets by yourself i've seen your videos i've seen you I, I don't know if I have the stones to do it. I, I've seen you releasing wolves out of traps, releasing uh, bobcats out of traps, release releasing a badger out of a trap. How on earth do you work up the courage to do that? And then what does that what does that teach you as an outdoors person? Yeah, so I've always ran my own trap line. You know, I haven't had uh, a brother or a husband or anybody to help me. So. Um, I'll never forget the first non-target that I caught was a, well, maybe not the first, but the first time I asked for help was a black bear that it was a young one. He didn't know he should be hibernating and he got caught in one of my coyote traps and I called the war- the local warden and they kind of, they said it much nicer, but basically said, that's your problem. Like you set the trap, you need, you know, it's your responsibility. I did have a warden that was off duty, come help me. Uh, Cause I had no idea, but they, they kind of said, you know, if you're going to be out here trapping, you need to be prepared for, you know, anything. And so I kind of took that to heart and you just, it's one of those things where it's like, well, who else is going to do it? Like if I have a wolf here in my trap, who might, there's not someone on call just waiting for you to have them come help you. You just got to do it yourself. And so uh, a lot of trial and error using catch poles and and different things. And I, I finally came up with a release shield that I use that's it just takes me a few seconds to let them go and it's the safest option but um it's just one of those things you have to do it because nobody else is going to so i i talk about that a lot in trappers ed classes if you're going to set the trap you have the responsibility of taking anything that gets in that trap out whether it's dispatched or alive so. have you ever had a situation go bad on you um i have a scar on my finger from a bobcat um my own stupidity I, I went to go take a picture of him and I forgot he was on a drag so 
when they're anchored, they're just right there in the ground. But a drag is eight foot of chain and they can, I forgot he was on a drag and I went right up to him with my phone to take a Ooh. picture and he lunged and he slapped that phone out of my hand and I got a claw right through my finger. Um, other than that, I haven't had, haven't had anything. I'm usually, I take my time and I really make sure my footing's there and I let the animal calm down. I don't just go charging at them. You know, I take a lot of time to let them calm back down and that's kind of the key to it. That's that's a, a friend of mine actually. At, when I was watching your badger video, he's got the scars on his neck to prove it. He had a. It's kind of the same thing. Um, he, when he released the badger, it basically just lunged at him and just it just missed him. It caught him right in the neck. But you have to be careful. And I can tell in your videos that you are very trained at it because you are taking precautions. Um, let's talk about that because one of your most popular videos is educational. And it's showing exactly how a foothold trap works. Because I know that what you probably get, especially on social media and online, is, oh, my God, these animals are suffering. It's in that trap. You know, it's got his, it's got his foot in that trap. Uh, explain the realities of a foothold trap and how that actually works. Yeah, so when I first got into trapping, um, the vernacular was, don't ever show your incidentals or your non-targets. So those animals I'm releasing, don't ever talk about it. And I started to notice in the on the internet that if you don't talk about it, the antis will come up with their own propaganda, right? And so those phrases like chew their leg off or break bones or, and I was like this, but this isn't how our traps work. Why aren't we talking more about how modern day, like this isn't the 1800s, like we have, great traps now that are humane um so i kind of went against the grain and just started putting out those release videos and a lot of people thought that i shouldn't be but my my stance was i'm showing that these traps are completely harmless i mean they're humane um and so i started doing that and then i got the feedback about um how it was you know edited or whatever i didn't show so then i started resetting the traps and put my hand in them and i did a lot of um hand and trap videos just to show that these are the real traps that I'm using. Um, the traps I use, they have a gap, offset jaws. So they have a little gap so that the jaws, it can't ever be metal and metal. There's a nice little gap in there. Um, so the circulation of the animal's foot is never cut off. So there's always blood flow. So they have feeling and everything, um, which means that they, they won't pull too hard. Um, it's like a really tight pair of handcuffs, you know. I also have laminations on the jaws, which just increases the surface area. Um, so it, it never cuts skin because if it was really, if the jaws were sharp, it would cut skin. So mine are really wide and they don't. And then we have a lot of swivels too. So if you didn't swivel and the animal turned, obviously it would break the leg. But we have three or four swivels in our chains so that they can just be turning and there's no um, um, getting caught up in debris or anything. And then finally shock springs. So we have these big springs on there. So when the animal pulls, if we didn't have that, they could dislocate a shoulder or a ligament or something, but the shock springs ex ex um, absorb all the energy. So all those things combined, I can put, I would feel comfortable with my dog got, you know, he gets, I mean, he doesn't anymore, he's learned, but in the beginning he would get caught in traps all the time. Um, I have no worry about anybody's dog getting caught in any of my traps. So. That's uh, very important. Thank you for that. I, I would recommend anybody, even if you're not a trapper, to find some of these videos and share them because Sky is really carrying the flag to help educate, not only if you're going to be a trapper, 
but if you're not a trapper that you understand how what she just explained there in the last two minutes is extremely important because if you look at the manufacturers and i'm not even going to name names we have the trapper magazine here and, and that's full disclosure but th these manufacturers they're in business to stay in business and they've been in business for decades and they're making traps with swivels they're making traps with those uh, shock absorbing uh, springs and, and it, it's it's about a, a trapper is just as much of a conservationist and probably more i would say than most of the hunters in the United States. And I'm not going to pit people against each other. I'm just saying that education is key. And what Sky is doing here is, is very important. Matt. Okay, we're going to take a quick break to thank one of our sponsors. Today's episode of Deer Talk Now podcast is brought to you by Muddy Outdoors and the new Merge Cellular Trail Camera. Featuring simple, easy-to-use cellular activation with quick-scan QR setup, the Merge cell cam features 26 megapixels, updated ultra-fast trigger speeds, four image resolutions, 80-foot detection and IR range, burst mode, and an SD card slot that takes up to 32 gigabyte cards. It operates on eight AA batteries and has an external power jack for solar battery pack that's sold separately. Check them out at your local sporting goods retailer or visit GoMuddy.com. Sky, what annoys you the most in that circle, in the trapping circle, on social media and online? How much know, time do we have? That's, that's a loaded question. <laughs> that's a loaded question. Well, um, annoy, like, well, I think you kind of touched on it in the beginning. There's a lot of internet trappers. There's a lot of people that are either posing with their uh, other people's catches or they're not actually trapped. I mean, I don't know why it's just become a, a thing in the last few years. A lot of, um, I mean, you see that in the hunting world too. So that's frustrating um, because these people are are trying to promote trapping in the spotlight, but they're not trap red instructors. They're not taking kids out. They're not. They're it's just all for self promotion. So that that's bothersome. Um, but also, it comes from a lot of the hunting community. Uh, you know, those, those same regurgitated myths like breaking bones and that's so inhumane. And why do you pose with a picture? It's, it's being tortured and suffering. And I'm like, no, 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 I can take 30 seconds or a minute to take a picture and record a video because the animal isn't suffering. It's, it's comfortable and it's, you know what I mean? So it, it just trying to re-educate the good old boys club that this isn't how it used to be. We're in a different age now. So if we don't, if you hide everything on the internet, they're still going to conjure up their own, you know, media. And so why not show the truth? I guess what, is what I'm looking at. What about, um, let me steer that same topic uh, another way. Uh, do you get criticized more from men, a good old boys club or women um, when they see you online? Definitely men. Yeah. And and why, why, is it, why is that? Because you're a woman and you're a trapper? Well, you know, like 90% of the trapping community is male. So I don't know if, if it's a fair comparison because they're, you know, if we had 80% women, would they be given the feedback? It's really a hard, it's very skewed um, to say, but women are usually more, I guess, trusting of the content I'm putting out. They're taking my word for it. Whereas I feel like sometimes men, the feedback will be, oh, she, she weakened those springs. That's not true. Or, 
she edited the video out with the parts of blah 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 and it's just sort of a lot of like mistrust for some reason so it's hard okay. to say sure and then what about um i see it a lot in the deer hunting end of things and over the years you know we've been doing this for so long actually i was here before the internet was even around so i mean it was I, i've seen the whole progression but in the deer hunting realm you know we've seen it um a lot of Johnny and Janie come lately's, um, yay, I'm going to be an outdoorsman. I'm going to be a hunter. And, you know, there's a, either a young girl or a buff guy posing with a deer. And it's like, I know they've never hunted or uh, if they did kill it, great, good for them. But uh, do you see that a lot in this top, in this area as well with trapping? Do you see a lot of people like, hey, that's an opportunity where I can, you know, carve my niche? Oh yeah, definitely. You know, I, obviously I won't name any names. I mean, I fell into it years ago. Um, when I was in college, I was signing up for every pro staff thing and trying to, uh, get my name out there. Um, it's just, it, it's funny. There's even a lot in the hunting community that they'll, um, you know, you start noticing there's a lot of like product pictures, but I don't see any actual harvesting yeah. of animals. A lot of, a lot of selfies and tree stands on the deer end. And yeah. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of trap line pictures. And so they're out there. I mean, that's great. But you know, um, I mean, I shouldn't say catching is what it's all about. But it, it kind of is like, you know, when I go out shed hunting, and I don't find anything, and um, someone will say, well, it's just good to be out there. And it's like, no, I'm not. I don't know. I want to find something or I want to catch something. Or I want to kill something like that's why I'm out there. I'm not going to be the kind that says, it's just nice to be out here or uh what is it like a, a bad day of hunting is better than a good day at work or no you're like you're like, want... you're like quoting me from the tree set i'm looking <laughs> at my producers here i i did a bit on that last year when we were in nebraska so i said oh that's what they call it like, no i wanted to kill that deer it was right in front of me i'm not happy i'm not happy that i had the experience i wanted them dead on the ground it's pretty much the, yeah. it's pr pretty much the same thing yeah. yeah, I get real, real frustrated because I'm, I'm a good trapper. I'm not, that's not an arrogant thing. I'm just, I, my, my personality, even in my personal life, like I'm, I have a good attention to detail and I'm very stubborn and motivated. And that's um, qualities that make you a good trapper, you know, paying attention to every leaf flipped over, whatever. But when it comes to deer hunting, I'm like the world's worst deer hunter because I can't, I hate sitting in a tree stand. I just like get so bored and it's like, I overthink things that I, I seem to always pick the wrong tree stand or I mean, I screwed up on a deer like four times this fall. I, I don't know. I, it's, it's frustrating to be a good trapper and I'm a terrible deer hunter. Well, I see that in your bio. You say you're a wannabe deer hunter, but I, I think I would disagree because I've seen some of the deer that you've killed. You've killed some nice bucks. Why do you, I mean, I know that that impatience probably uh, plays a part of it, but also is it a part because I know uh, the there's there's not a ton of guys i know of several guys that are just really good trappers and they're the best deer hunters i know and um is that part of it because you're overthinking it because you know that in your mind um you're you're learning so much more on that trap line about but not just you know critter behavior but deer behavior too i mean you think that might be some of it Possibly. I, I can't tell you the number of times during the rut that it'll be like 830 in the morning and I'm so eager to check my traps that I get down. Okay. <laughs> I wonder what's going on in my trap, you know, so I mean, a lot of it is not putting in the time. Um, and I, I, 
another, I'll just like list all my excuses as another excuse is I don't have a lot of practice. You know, we don't have dough tags in my area. And so it's like, dang, come here. We've deer, got tens like, of thousands you get, like, of one, them. <laughs> yeah. You get like one deer, you know, you get your buck tag and you usually, so it's like the first time you're letting an arrow go is at that big buck. You don't, you know, it'd be nice if I could kill a couple does early season and like get the kinks out so that's something i always complain about too but no i don't know i think i the nerves just get to me i don't have a buck mounted on my wall i have all these little little ones but um this is my year dan this is my this year. is it this is the year you're gonna knock down a big one do you think you've become a better deer hunter by by being a trapper oh you have to say yes <laughs> yeah i mean i i think i'm a better trapper because i was a deer hunter if that makes sense okay. like I, I it definitely goes in hand in hand but um if you're a good deer hunter you'll be a, i think you'll be a good trapper too because it's just all you know no knowing everything about animal behavior where they bed where they eat um scent you control know, is a scrape, big one for me yeah a coyote pee post is the same as a deer's scrape line you know so i mean it it's kind of all the same stuff um, so I think you can be good at both. Okay. All right. I have another question for you. I've got a couple questions for you. Um, the other thing on your, um, your bio, why are you the, is it the barefoot trapper? Oh, yeah. Where did you get that? Where did that come from? I've always been barefoot growing up. And I think nearly everyone in Nielsville probably is barefoot. Like it's, <laughs> it's not a big deal here, but yeah, when I got on the internet and people started seeing pictures and video that I'm barefoot usually like 40 degrees is my cutoff so you know I'm usually barefoot you're, you're checking traps October. you're checking traps barefoot yeah it, it, like as long as there's no snow on the ground wow. um yeah Dang. and it, it, it was for no reason I mean I can stalk deer and turkeys and I can really um get close you know I've killed a lot of turkeys and I attribute it to being barefoot because I could sneak so easily but um, there's no reason for it. It's just how I've always lived my life, and it kind of became a thing on the internet. So. Well, that's pretty good. I missed it, so I'll, I guess I'll have to. You must have feet of leather if you're checking a. If you're yeah, checking. I do. Checking I do. Yeah, I went. I went elk hunting out in Colorado, and they all said you can't be barefoot out here. And I went through the Rocky Mountains just fine. So yeah, it's really there's no thorns or anything penetrating my feet. So. We have to introduce her to Brad. Uh, Brad, our president, he went uh, elk hunting in Crocs last year. So, um, but that's <laughs> that's because he had a blister on his foot. So that's a <laughs> story for another day. Um, okay, I'm gonna. I know you didn't want to talk about this, but we're gonna talk about it. Let's talk about wolves. I want to. I'm not giving you my opinion. You probably know it, but let's. Uh, you tell me about the, not just in Wisconsin, but the wolf situation in general in North America. Um, are wolves endangered? Should wolves be hunted and trapped, and why? Um, to me, a wolf is no different than a coyote or a fox, right? They're all kind of the same. Um, I think we honestly have the same number of bobcats that we do wolves here. Um, and I don't want them eliminated, but I, I just, I don't, I want the emotion and politics taken out of it. Cause like I said, they're no different than a coyote. Like why is one on a pedestal and one is, you know, we can kill them without a license year round. I just don't get it. Um, and it's a renewable resource. I mean, a wolf pelt is a valuable resource that it, we're doing it a disservice to mother nature by not utilizing it, you know, just like any other fur bear. So, 
Oh, it's a frustrating thing. It, it is a frustrating thing. And I'm old enough to remember, I, I'm sure people, if you haven't seen it, please check it out at deerandeerhunting.com. I've written a, a, a blog on it, and I'm just going to give you my two cents, is that wolves are not endangered. Uh, there's 60,000 of them in North America. Most of those are in Canada, obviously. But we have them here. We have them in Minnesota. We have them in Michigan. They're starting to go west in Idaho and places like that. The problem with the wolf is the wolf is an apex predator. It needs to be managed, and it needs to be managed um, properly. And in Wisconsin especially, our deal with the feds was 250 wolves. And then all of a sudden that creeped up to 350, to 550, to 750. Now it's like, well, I don't know how many we actually have out there. And um, how are, in your opinion, or in your experience, I should say, how hard is it to trap a wolf? I know you've caught some. Um, Mm -hmm. Those, I'm, I'm assuming, were on accident um, but how smart are they compared to a coyote oh not at all they're just a big dumb moose like thing you know it's like a <laughs> moose compared to a white tail or something like um oh they're well i don't know if it's because they haven't been pursued by humans that they're or they're just have a maybe like a, a tinge of arrogance or something that they go they're not shy they're bold they go up to anything maybe because they are apex they're very easy to catch and i've tried actually i've purposely tried to avoid them in every tactic i can and they still get caught so i mean there is no avoidance technique for them if they're in the area you'll catch them um and you can catch them on bait on urine on anything dog but like it just doesn't matter what you use they're going to check it out they're they're very easy to catch so um yeah i don't know i i have a lot of like anecdotal store like that i can't prove or you know it goes against the statistics but just living around here i mean we just i have so many that i wish could be you know every time i catch a wolf it's not recorded anywhere the first few i called and said you want to come collar this do you want to report no just let it loose i'm like well i don't know how to help show how many we have then if nobody cares (laughs) how many you think you've caught over the years oh i've only caught um five i think i think i caught one and then I caught four in one year so five five I've I've missed a lot like where their tracks were there but I've actually caught just five but that's five in one little area of one county so that's that should give you an example of you know there's I I know you're in I know you're in western Wisconsin a little bit northwestern Wisconsin um that's and we have them here and we're probably uh, 250 miles from you so I know that we've got there there's wolves everywhere around here and i know they're in other places um and yeah i'm not gonna go there i was gonna say you know everybody always points to eldo leopold and they kind of wax poetic about eldo leopold Mm -hmm. the fierce green fire and when he shot Mm -hmm. that wolf and saw the life go out of its eyes if you actually read eldo leopold if he was here today i would go toe-to-toe against anybody saying he would be the first in line to say we need to manage this population mm-hmm. it's it's in the good of the resource it's, it's not just for deer hunters it's not just for sports people um men and women who loved outdoors it's for that for that animal i'm going to let that topic fade and last topic i want to talk about is again related to trapping and fur because i know that uh when i was growing up my uh, when i was little my brothers would trap they'd get 50 bucks for a fox pelt and you know, $75 for a coyote. And it's like, I know those prices aren't there now. So what is the future of fur? And why would somebody want to trap when, like, you're not even going to get anything for it? 
Well, so, I mean, uh, let's see. The per auction of 2017, I was getting 125 per coyote pelt. So, wow. I mean, I know now with the uh, the way the world's going in 2022, the economy and whatnot, but just a few years ago, I was getting over 100. Um, now we've lost some of the fur markets and just obviously the world is different in the last two years. Um, so I've started tanning everything and I just sew it into garments because it, it doesn't really matter like, the way the world goes if you live in a cold weather state fur is like if you ice fish if you tailgate or just do anything outdoors i mean fur is what's going to keep you out there for the longest there's nothing that compares to it so i just get everything tanned and i've just learned to sew them into garments for people and it promotes wearing real fur and i don't think there's anybody that's ever worn real fur and said this isn't for me like once you wear it and you feel the warmth and the softness and the connection to nature you're you're hooked you know so the more people that can can see that the better what about somebody who's first like these people that you're educating and they they're getting into it and it's like listen i you know i'm not going to sell it is there an outlet uh, where somebody could like th if they don't want to utilize the fur themselves can they sell it or can they is are, are there other things they can do with it yeah, so I mean, tanning is where you would turn it in any kind of garment or wall hanger, you know, so you can keep it forever. It would last a, a lifetime. Um, there are different uh, like fur agencies that will come around to your city with a truck and you can sell it frozen, um, dried, uh, different fur, fur buyers and stuff. And unfortunately, now Napa closed down. That was the North American fur auction. Um, but we still have fur harvesters. So that's the only auction house in North America that I know of that's big enough. Um, but yeah, with the, with the way fuel prices are going and stuff, it's, I, I tanned everything this year. I didn't send anything to auction just cause it's way too volatile right now. Um, it used to be fun to watch the auction house and see it climb over a hundred dollars and you can hear people fighting, you know, over it. But now I, you, you get 10 bucks a pellet. It's just not, it's not exciting. So you don't need to send it to auction. You can, um, have it tanned right now. And that, that's kind of the best way to go. I sell everything on like eBay or uh, locally and people buy it because people love real fur. So you might have to put the money up front, but you will sell it easily. Very cool. Okay. Last question for you, Sky. A uh, young person comes up to you, a 12 year old girl, a uh, 14 year old boy. They say, I want to get into hunting, trapping, fishing. What is your response? If they don't well, have, they, a, they don't have a mentor to take them or they don't have a father or a, a mom or somebody who's into it but they they see that and they're 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 interested oh well i always if i can have them locally come with me that's great if i can figure out a way to get them to a trapper's ed class definitely do that um kids if any kids go to uh like our summer rendezvous or our conventions they will leave there with their arms full of weasel boxes and muskrat because i mean old timers love to give kids all these traps to get them started you know dog proof coon traps are great um because even a irresponsible kid if they set it in the yard they're not going to catch anything except for that coon they're not going to hurt the neighbor's dog or anything like that so um we just give out so many like free traps and all it takes is i mean you, even just setting a mouse trap in the basement is they're hooked and they want to go a little bit bigger and then they want to you know and then they keep going so just give them lots of, of free stuff to get them started and they'll be they'll be hooked on it and pretty soon they're barefoot and they're um exactly they're yeah. running through the swamp well thank <laughs> yep. you thank you sky very much for joining us today that was a wonderful conversation i would like to have you back someday if you would if you would sure. join us 
Um, it's just refreshing to see somebody young, energetic, who's really embracing what could be described as old school tactics, which is very cool. Thank you again, Sky. Have a great day. Thanks, Dan. All right. That's the wrap for this week's D Deer Talk Now podcast. Check it out wherever podcasts are downloaded, Apple, Podbeam, you name it. If you want to watch the video version, head on over to our YouTube page. That's YouTube backslash DDH online, or you can check it out on Facebook or DeerAndDeerHunting.com. For Sky Good, I'm Dan Schmidt. Thanks for joining us.